Welcome to the Gonzo Chronicles. I'm your host, Cyrus Alderwood, the official spokesman for Generation X. Stick around. It's going to get weird, as always. Well, here we are. It's horror month, right? Halloween month, right? October. Today's October 13th. And tonight's topic, I'm going to go off, uh, like off base here, right? Before we get into the topic. However, tonight's topic is all about which decade had a better set of horror movies. Which was better, 80s horror movies or 70s horror movies? And there are some iconic movies from each decade, no doubt. And I noticed, like, um, I posted this question up on uh, Facebook, and some people are already starting to chime in. And I'm sure over the course of the evening, as people see the post, uh, we'll get more um, feedback. But it looks like looks like we have some kids from the '80s here who are like, taking the early lead. Um, I guess I don't know if it really much matters about your age which decade had better horror, because I'm a fan of both. I mean, there were some just amazing horror movies that came out of each decade. So we're going to talk about some of those films. And um, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to name some, talk a little bit about them, kind of keep today's show brief. But I'm going to go into just a little bit of a rant here real quick. Now, you guys know I sometimes go off on um, topics like censorship. I don't believe in it. And how our culture is kind of messed up. We've talked about this on the show ad nauseum in some episodes. Um, just that it seems like there's such a lack of humor. And guys that were great comedians in the 80s and 90s could not even like make movies today, couldn't do stand-up today. And recently, people are jumping all over Dave Chappelle. I guess the cancel culture, the as I call them, the cultural communists who just want to shut up anybody that doesn't agree with them or their political or, or social narrative, you know, they forget that things are jokes. Yeah, some are off color. And that's, you know, sometimes it's okay because comedy is a way, of, it's like a mirror looking back at society and reflecting on ourselves and laughing at ourselves. And sometimes there's a lot of truth in this comedy. So um, just case in point, how sensitive, overly sensitive people are. I'm going to read uh, a thread that just popped up on Facebook just a bit ago. Now, I'm not going to name their names, but these are people like this proves my point that there are some people who just run their mouth and because they've never been punched in the face and know when to shut up. But here's, here's, a, here's a perfect example of our culture right now. Somebody posts a picture of Brad Pitt up from that movie Fight Club, where they're sitting in the bar drinking, talking, you know, early in the movie. 
And of course, the meme, it says at the top, it's called a joke. We used to tell them before people became offended by everything. Now, that's just the picture and the, and, you know, the meme and the words around it. Okay, so I looked down at the comments, and this one guy chimes in the first comment. Yeah, says the white guy who never faced institutionalized bigotry or jokes that degrade his experiences. And the first thing this person does that posts it is apologize. Didn't mean to offend. And then the guy comes right back at her. Didn't offend me. Well, which obviously it did or he wouldn't have run his mouth in the first place. But the point of my comment was that it is rarely someone not having a sense of humor and usually someone trying to justify their own bullshit joke by claiming the other is being sensitive. There are plenty of ways to be humorous without doing all this. I am certain you have had some asshole man say some really sexist shit to you and claim he was being funny and telling you that you can't take a joke when he's really just an asshole. All right, yeah, there's times where people are complete a-holes when they say the wrong thing. I'm not saying that that doesn't happen. Probably happens all the time. I might have been guilty of it a time or two myself, you know, some you know, bad timing joke or whatever. And he goes on to say, I didn't reply this to be critical of you, which of course he did. I posted to show how a meme like this is not very productive to the conversation. Well, even if it was, he starts a conversation by pointing out how everybody's offended. All right. And then she comes back to say, I understand and respect where you're coming from. I was just trying to make people laugh. Now at that point, I don't apologize. Like I just blocked this jerk off. Right. Um, he ought to apologize for everybody else for being a buzzkill. And, and, you know, was it funny? No, it was making a point. I don't think the meme was funny. Um, and you know what? I can understand the guy's point, but if he's going to cop attitude like that, I'm not going to respect him at that point, right? Just, you know, I might just blow it off and let it go. I don't care. Like, I'm on Twitter. You say good morning to people on there, and they find 10 languages to say something terrible about your mother in. You know, so... Um, I, I mean, I've got thick skin. This doesn't bother me. But then she says, I'm certain this guy comes back and says, I'm certain someone will find this funny. And I hope you don't find my reply critical of you personally. But that was not my intention. And she's like, I respect that. Thanks for your honesty. Appreciate it. And then somebody else chimes in and says to this guy, you do realize that it's just a meme. And to be honest, those words didn't even come out of his mouth. Why are you turning it into something it's not? Which I'm going to like that comment. And he says, just a meme, in quotes, sounds like a pretty lame excuse. Or are those Nazi memes cool because they're just a meme? And these Nazi words don't even come out of their mouth. All right, first of all, I haven't, I've never seen a Nazi meme, <laughs> okay? And I'm all over the internet. I'm sure there's some out there. Maybe this guy's went out looking for them himself. But this is actually, this is the point of cultural communism. And, you know, go, go. If you want to research those words, those terms, look them up. Go find out what happened during the Bolshevik Revolution. Go read Marx and Engels. Go read the Communist Manifesto. They actually talk about going after people's heroes and history, cancel them out as part of a big reset into society, into a culture that they're comfortable with, that they have control over. That's why comedians don't tour these days. Jerry Seinfeld has said this ad nauseum. Uh, Eddie Murphy could not travel around and tell jokes today. Richard Pryor could not do a concert tour these days. 
The only two people that really have the balls to do it, or three, Joe Rogan, Bill Burr, and uh, Dave Chappelle. And, you know, some of these jokes, I mean, and, but again, he just reminds you, folks, these are jokes. If you don't have a sense of humor, or if you're overly sensitive, or, you know, if your mindset is of this cultural communism, this woke corporate, corporate culture, just don't go to shows. Nobody said you had to go to Netflix and watch Dave Chappelle. You just don't. Um, there's enough things going on in the world to be depressed about. Squashing people trying to make other people laugh or trying to do what they, what they can do on social media or any other venue to bring a smile to somebody's face. Who's the asshole? Anyway, that's my two cents on that. Um, that was a perfect example that just popped up on my timeline, so I had to share it. And um, let's see what some other people chimed in here. Okay, uh, I'm going to go over some movies here first in, in a minute, but here's some comments about my question online. 80s horror versus 70s horror. Who wins? Jimmy Presley says, hey, I grew up in the 80s and love it. 70s were definitely grittier, though. I love it too, but 80s just because I grew up on it. Uh, Marquita, 80s, because you couldn't have a slumber party without a horror movie. Early 80s, Betamax tapes from Woody's. I remember that place. She must be from my hometown. <coughs> Rent on Friday night, keep the whole weekend. Three to eight screaming girls, preteen girls, daring each other to go outside in the dark after watching Jason kill all the campers. I had one friend who still had an outhouse. Wow, that's that's interesting. <laughs> I have a show on that. And then when we had sleepovers there, her parents let us sleep out in their camper. Now, I suspect it was so they could get some sleep. Let me tell you, in a kind of country road, a dirt bike at 2 a.m. sounds like a chainsaw to 15-year-old girls. Yeah, I can see that. Um, and then uh, Amy Cody chimes in, uh, definitely an 80s fan. 80s fan. So, like I said, the 80s are taking an early lead, and I got, I got some more comments here too, but um, 80s are taking an early lead. So let's start off with the 80s. Um, let me scroll down on this. I've got a list here in front of me of all these 70s and 80s films. Now, I'm going to go down to uh, um, some of these films I don't think are are horror. A Sleepaway Camp came out in 83. Uh, Angela Baker, I swear to who knew that that chick was a guy? <laughs> that was what a movie. I hate it. If I killed that ending for anybody, sorry. Um, on this particular list, IMDb put this together. This is about as bad as the list from uh, um, Rolling Stone with their top greatest songs. But they put Teen Wolf on there. I don't consider Night of the Comet horror either. It's, it's sci-fi to me. Uh, kind of the same thing with Killer Clowns from Outer Space. That was a kind of a comedy, dark comedy. Um, Monster Squad is on this list. Now, this is kind of a comedy. It's, it's a kid's movie. And I just watched this recently. I love this movie. Monster Squad. Um, it's a group of uh, these kids. They're monster fanatics. And they have their own little club. And now they had to form the Monster Squad because they're really going to chase monsters. Because Count Dracula apparently came back and brought some of his... You know, toughest monsters with him, the creature from the Black Lagoon, the Wolfman, the Mummy, and Frankenstein. And uh, if he um, manages to, every hundred years he comes back. So these kids have to stop the world from falling into darkness. 
One of my favorite series that came out of the out of the eighties. There were a lot of movies that were put out in the eighties that were based off Stephen King stories. Children of the Corn was an amazing movie. Uh, part one and two actually. So that's eighties. Another one of my favorite eighties, really uh, underrated eighties movies, was the movie House and House Two, the second story. That was a really really cool uh, couple of movies. Now House Two came out in eighty seven. Um, From Beyond was an interesting one. That came out in 86. Uh, Scanners. Now, that was an interesting movie. That came out early in the decade, 1981. It's where a scientist trains this man with uh, with uh, telepathic abilities. They called it scanning. Um, So he uh, he has to stop this dangerous scanner with crazy kind of powers. He's he's waging war against non-scanners. So really, it's uh, the, the scene at the beginning... Wow, when a man's head blows up, <laughs> you can't unsee that. Uh, they have the burbs on here. That's that's certainly not a horror film. Um, so, yeah, uh, IMDb, uh, revisit your list. 1987, there was a movie that came out called The Gate. This was one of my favorite movies from that decade, too, especially in the horror genre. This kid was left at home alone, and lo and behold, while the kids were having a party, they accidentally raised demons. <laughs> and they had to save their house. Uh, from uh, these demons that were coming up in a hole in the backyard. So really, really, that was a fun movie, especially if you were you know, a kid. Uh, Critters came out that decade. Uh, the House by the Cemetery came out in 1981. I rewatched this about two weeks ago. Um, that kid in there has the most annoying voice. Good movie, though, if you can tolerate that kid's voice. Prom Night came out in 1980. Now, this... This came out kind of uh, in response to a lot of the uh, big, the bigger movies that were horror films that came out in the late seventies that were just blockbuster hits, and the guys who made that were looking for, um, you know, this killer to stalk these teenagers, who uh, were responsible for killing a kid, a classmate from you know years ago, uh, playing hide and seek, and the kid fell off uh, the roof of some of this, this abandoned building and, and died. So now all these kids are responsible. Somebody's hunting them. And it actually had um, Jamie Lee Curtis in it. And that was a big deal for them to land her in that movie. Because it was a low-budget movie. I think they this might have came out of Canada. Um, not sure, but Leslie Nielsen was in it. Uh, Jamie Lee Curtis. Uh, that's, that was a great movie. Now, in the 80s, now the 80s are defined by two huge movie franchises. Friday the 13th, and you know all those movies, right? Those are great films. Those are certainly fun weekends at the movies to go watch on Friday and Saturday night. And Nightmare on Elm Street. Now, I was looking at Friday the 13th Part 5, which is one of my favorite ones. Uh, actually, a couple of couple or three episodes ago, we had uh, Deborah Voorhees on the show, and she was one of the stars of Friday the 13th Part 5. Now, that came out in 1986. Uh, that was a fun movie. Um, some of the others that you probably just remember if you're horror fans, The Stepfather, that came out in 87, uh, Phantasm, and Phantasm 2. I think Phantasm 2 came out in late 80s. Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part 2 came out in 1986. So they waited a long time between making 1 and 2. Um, Twilight Zone, the movie, this is another one of my favorite movies. Uh, it came out in 1983. Uh, I had a lot of big names in it at the time. Albert Brooks, 
Doug McGrath, Dan Aykroyd uh, was in there. Um, John Landis and Steven Spielberg were two of the directors. Here's a movie that's really kind of hard to find these days. The Burning. It came out in 1981. You guys all remember Seinfeld. You know George Costanza? Well, this is before George was bald. It's actually one of his first movies, if not his very first movie. Um, yeah, it was it was actually really, really interesting. Uh, see, The Serpent and the Rainbow. That was a really great movie. Child's Play came out, too, in the 80s. That was in 1988 when, the, when that movie came out. Uh, Pumpkinhead. A lot of horror fanatics know Pumpkinhead. Uh, that came out also in 1988. And that was a great, great movie about, um, you know, just revenge and and what the price you have to pay for that revenge. Um, I mentioned House 2 and House. House came out in 85, you know, the first one. And uh, The Lost Boys. Who can forget The Lost Boys? What a great soundtrack. Uh, who, who could ever forget that? That came out in 1987. A couple of years prior to that, another huge movie from the decade, Fright Night came out. And that was in 85. That had Chris Sarandon. Uh, Roddy McDowell was in that. And Roddy McDowell, it was important they landed him for that movie because he was a big star back in the 70s especially in the horror genre. Another movie that came out in 83 was Christine, and that was based off of the Stephen King movie. Now, you'll remember uh, The Fly 2 came out in 89. The Fly came out earlier that decade. Uh, Wolfen, was a, it's a rare movie to find as well. This is about a New York cop who investigates all these different uh, deaths that resemble animal attacks, and this cult he finds behind a lot of the stuff. Um, that had Albert Finney in it. And he was, uh, and Gregory Hines actually was in that too, before he kind of blew up later in the 80s and became a big star. Uh, everybody remembers Drew Barrymore from E.T. Well, she was in Firestarter in 1984. Beetlejuice came out in 88. Um, the Howling, that whole series, that kicked off in 1981. Um, and there was this, you know, this deadly encounter with the serial killer. Um, there was a near-deadly encounter with a serial killer. A TV newswoman was sent to a, this is mountain resort um, to kind of get away, but these residents are not what she thinks they are. Hellraiser came out in the 80s. Actually, Hellraiser 2 came out in 88. Um, let me see when Hellraiser 1 came out. Here's another great movie from the 80s. This is from 1980, The Changeling. Now, this is the one with George C. Scott. I'll never forget the end where that little red ball was bouncing down the stairs and came to a stop right at him. Uh, a lot of Evil Dead fans that I know out there. Evil Dead came out in 1981. Uh, another one of my favorites from the decade, The Fog. That came out in 1980. That had Adrian Barbeau, big 70 star. Jamie Lee Curtis, Janet Lee, and you know her from, that was actually Jamie's mom. And you know her from Psycho. Uh... Halloween 2 came out in 1981. I'm not going to really throw the Halloween. Uh, Halloween came out in 78, the original Halloween. So you do have the follow-up in the 80s, but I'm going to give like cre uh, credence to um, Halloween for starting in the 70s. So I wouldn't call it an 80s thing. Uh, you had the Creep Shows, those two that were out. Um, Gremlins. I don't know if I call Gremlins a horror movie or not. Silver Bullet was a very fun movie. Corey Haim and uh, Gary Busey were in that. That was obviously a classic werewolf story. 
Angel Heart. This was a great film. This was really, really dark. This had Mickey Rourke in it and Robert De Niro. Lisa Bonet from The Cosby Show. Um, and you, you talk about, like, dark voodoo and, you know, Satan behind the scenes. That was a great film. That was a great story, actually. Now, Hellraiser came out in 87, the, the first one. And, um, you know, this lady just finds this little box and managed to unleash hell out of it. Demonic beings are coming out of this box like it's a portal to hell. Now, listen, a lot of the horror movies of the 80s, they had a sense of humor. Some of them had even a little comic twist or so, you know. I know that Evil Dead 2 certainly did. Not Hellraiser. Man, this was this was a dive into cruelty and betrayal. And it holds no punches. Um, you know, that little box was a gateway to hell to creatures. They call them Cenobites. And all they were there to do is bring pain. I mean, this... This is like the most raw biblical um, type of torment from hell you could you could possibly think of. Poltergeist is a is a 1980s um, classic. Came out in '82. Uh, Evil Dead Two came out in '87. That was the one I said that was a little bit uh, you know campy. Friday the Thirteenth came out in 1980, and uh, you know all those camp counselors, Jason's mom being the killer in the first one. So, I mean, that that was one that seriously defined the decade, along with a few other movies that were based off, off of Stephen King books, like uh, The Dead Zone, um, yeah, like I said, Carrie. An American Werewolf in London, I would think, would probably be one of the top movies, probably grossing receipts at movie receipts in the 80s. Great film. Uh they had Predator on this list and Ghostbusters, but I don't think I would call Ghostbusters horror. Um, Pet Cemetery was on there. Aliens was on there. Cujo. Uh, the Blob. They, they remade The Blob in the 80s in 1988. That was a really pretty fun remake. Uh, Nightmare on Elm Street came out in 84, and we, we all know the rest. Um, now, one of the top movies, scary movies of that decade, has to be The Shining. And we're talking Jack Nicholson, Shelley Duvall, uh, little Danny Lloyd, Scatman Crothers. What a, what a great, great movie. And recently they rem they did the uh, sequel from a Stephen King book called Dr. Sleep. Am amazing book. Let's jump over to um, the 70s now. Now, there were so many, many great movies. Horror Express. Came out of the 70s. I had Christopher Lee, Peter Cushing. Uh, I mean, how do you go wrong? How do you go wrong with Peter Cushing? Anything Christopher Lee? Uh, Blackula, right? Uh, that was a good movie. Actually, I watched that not long ago either. There was a movie in the 80s called The Crazies. Now, most of you that have seen The Crazies, have seen the remake version from the early 2000s. It was a good remake, but the original came out in 73. It was a huge hit. Um, the military in this one, obviously, they, you know, you've seen the remake. They uh, try to, the military attempts to contain this man-made combat virus uh, that causes death and, and sanity in those infected. Um, and this takes place in a little small Pennsylvania town. Tales from the Crypt actually came out in 72, that movie. That was really good. Now, we've all seen Piranha, like the remakes of this stuff. Piranha originally came out in 1978. 
Uh, and that was a result, I think it was, um, based on how popular Jaws was. Uh, now, Phantasm. I didn't put Phantasm in the 80s because there was Phantasm 2 that came out then. But Phantasm, the first one, came out in 79. Uh, it, you know, this teenage kid and his friends, they have to face off against the grave, ro grave robber that known only as the tall man. Um, and he has all these crazy weapons. A classic from the 70s that's been remade, I don't know how many times, The Last House on the Left. From 74, From Beyond the Grave was an amazing film. Um, don't Be Afraid of the Dark. Now that came, that was made for TV. But that came out in 1973. One of my very favorite all-time movies, Salem's Lot came out in 1979. And if you haven't seen that, my God, you haven't seen a vampire movie until you see this. I'm very impressed right now. There's a series on Netflix called Midnight Mass, and it is it has a very Salem's Lot kind of feel to it. Now, I'm only four or five episodes in, but I'm gonna I'm, I'm enough in that I'm hooked and I'm gonna finish watching this. Now, also in uh, the 70s, one of the classic like iconic war films, Black Christmas, came out in 74. Now, here's where we get into some of the heavy hitters that I think laid the groundwork for a lot of 80s horror. The Hills Have Eyes, that had Susan Lanier and Robert Houston in it, directed by Wes Craven. You know, this was obviously a few years, quite a few years before um, Nightmare on Elm Street. But he was a part of that. He was actually a part of that horror scene in the 70s. Um, there was another one called uh, Legend of Hell House. Now, this had Roddy McDowell and uh, Pamela Franklin. And this was a huge, huge horror film in the 70s. It came out in 1973. Now, anytime you see The Haunting of Hill House or The Haunting or, what you know, with Liam Neeson, these movies were based, a lot of these were based off of how he did in 1973 in The Legend of Hell House, which is actually sort of a remake from an old black and white film that had Vincent Price in it. However, great, great film, uh, you know, even the remakes, it's tough to really match that, just that feel that uh, Roddy McDowell put into that movie. Amazing, amazing work. Um, the Night Stalker came out in uh, 1972. Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Now, this is a classic version from 1978. This is my favorite version of the movie. Donald Sutherland, Brooke Adams, uh, Jeff Goldblum was in this. Uh, this, was, this was a big, huge hit. And I probably watched this not just... Not three weeks ago, probably. Another iconic series that came in the 70s, The Omen. The Omen came out in 1976. And you talk about uh, the book of Daniel and the book of Revelation, and you really want to have a biblical horror film based on the Antichrist coming in this generation. That book scared, that movie scared the wits out of everybody back then. So that was, you know, one of the biggest horror films of all time. One of the most underrated horror films of all time was a movie that came out in 1977. It was a Dario Argento movie, Suspiria. And uh, basically what this is, it's this American woman. She goes to this prestigious German ballet academy and realizes that the school is a front for something sinister. 
and there's a series of grisly murders that go on. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna give the the film away. Now I'm colorblind, like I've mentioned before, but what people tell me is that like just the color scheme of this movie and the scoring, the music, had so much. I mean that, that it was, and I've seen this, you know, even not really knowing the colors, but just the scoring alone and just the the tenth of the screen is that's a powerful movie. So there's a lot more being said other than just the words of, of the script. Uh, Nosferatu the Vampire came out in '79. Um, Carrie came out in 1976. Can you believe it's been that long since, since that iconic movie came out? So yes, Stephen King got his start in the '70s. In fact, probably a lot of what he wrote became books later that were made movies in the '80s. Uh, one of the biggest movies of that decade in the horror genre, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. That came out in 1974. Um, now, again, they didn't make part two till the 80s. It was a long time. But you got to remember that, that that franchise started in the 70s. The Wicker Man came out in 73. How many times can they remake that movie? Um, but what a powerful story. And uh, what what a, what a great uh, great film that was. That was actually one of the best versions all time of that film. Dawn of the Dead. So we're talking about George Romero um, getting his uh, his really his popularity in that decade. Alien came out. So the you know Aliens was in the eighties, but the original Alien came out in nineteen seventy nine. Halloween, the original, came out in nineteen seventy eight. Now, so we've got the Halloween franchise, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre franchise. We've got films like Suspiria. Well, let's jump to the top two in The Omen. Okay, so those are some heavy hitters in the horror genre, big time. But let's step back to two of the biggest films ever. And this is where I would say, okay, when you had to stack up those great films and franchises from the 80s, and they go against the 70s, you're going against Halloween. You're going against what came out in 1975, Jaws. And this movie is still iconic to this day. And that we all, you know, I mean, you don't have to guess twice about what the number one film was from the 70s in the horror genre. And this movie is still visceral and disturbs people to this very day. And there's rumor they're making a remake of it, and I hope they don't, because why mess with a perfect thing? The Exorcist from 1973 that starred Ellen Burstyn, Max von Sydow, and Linda Blair. The director was William Friedkin. So you're really going up against those classics from the 80s, you know, those great franchises, against The Exorcist, Jaws, Halloween, Alien, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Uh, you know, um, The Omen, Invasion of the Body Snatchers. These are some heavy hitters. The Legend of Hell House. Heavy hitters in the genre. Phantasm. So my question to you is which, which decade wins? That's a tough question. Which decade wins, the 70s or the 80s when it comes to horror? I don't know. The 80s certainly had more fun involved in horror. And the 70s, like uh, Jimmy Presley said, who wrote a bloody Halloween, that it was, you know, it was a darker, grittier 
it's, yeah, it's a tough call. It's a tough call. Maybe it does have a lot to do with when you were born and, you know, when you were raised. You know, I, I graduated high school in the early 90s. So I kind of know that, you know, I kind of grew up in the 80s where I enjoyed those movies. The 90s really didn't have a whole lot to offer in that genre until Scream came along. And then you had a few more, and, and those were good. You know, we could, we could, but that decade would not even hold a candle to the 80s or 90s, not in my opinion. Um, today, I mean, look today. They've made remade so many of these things because they were classics, and they're trying to remake classics. And, and that's kind of frustrating when, when you want budget in a film so you can enjoy the film, but yet, and we were talking with Deborah Voorhees, from Friday the 13th 5, a couple, couple of episodes ago. Seems like there's so much more creativity among independent filmmakers to not do the same old thing. Uh, some do them more creatively. Some are just visceral and bloody. Uh, I'm not, personally, I'm not really into the things like Saw or any of that stuff, but uh, but I like a good, dramatic, scary, fear of the unknown type of, of horror. And it's it's hard to pick between those two decades. Um, I mean, if you want the, the blood and guts, you have the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. You have Hellraiser for each decade. If you want something that really just kind of, uh, I don't know, just, just kind of gets to you, makes you afraid to go in the water, well, there you've got Jaws, you know. Or there you have Friday the 13th, making you afraid to go to the camp. <laughs> so, I don't know. Great, It's a good question. It's a great debate. I would love to hear some feedback from some of you guys. As always, uh, contact me on social media. Or drop me an email, cyrus.alderwood at gmail.com. And uh, I'll uh, maybe talk about some of uh, the responses in an upcoming show. Thanks to those who chimed in with uh, thoughts up to now. I certainly appreciate it. Um, make sure if you get a chance, uh, go visit me on amazon.com. And make sure you hit subscribe to this podcast. Share it with friends and uh, share it far and wide. I certainly appreciate them. Up to 85 episodes now. That's kind of nice. All right. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. I'll be back soon. We'll talk some more horror or whatever. And I'll see you on down the road.